Welcome to this week's serving of Oyster Stew, a mix of financial services commentary and insights. Each week, we'll discuss what is happening in the industry based on what we see as we work with regulators and clients. We hope you come away with the knowledge and tools to help you make the best decisions for your firm's future. Hi, everybody. I'm Buddy Doyle, Chief Executive Officer of Oyster Consulting, and I'm pleased today to introduce some of our newest team members that have joined us uh, really during this pandemic, while we've been building strength and thinking about the things that our clients need the most, we've made a lot of choices here to add to our team, uh, to target some resources towards our client base. And uh, I'm really excited today to introduce to you Jim Roth, Bill Davis, Ed Wegener, and Jeffrey Hiller. Uh, and we're going to start today with Jim Roth, who joined us from Pershing. We're excited to have you here. Maybe you can talk a little bit about some of the challenges that, that our clients are facing and some of the things that they really ought to be focusing on and thinking about, uh, particularly in, in light of the pandemic and, and this new world that we're working in. Thank you, buddy. It's a pleasure to join you today. You know, to say that businesses today are operating in an unpredictable environment, that would be an understatement. Amid the pandemic and its impact on the economy, we're all facing elevated levels of instability, pressure, and of course, anxiety. But I think you've got to ask yourself the question, what is the new normal and what will it look like? The immediate challenge may be meeting the heightened client service, regulatory and reporting demands, especially if social distancing limits to face-to-face -face interaction. I think it's also important to help your employees through what continues to be a stressful and uncertain time. Your firm may have to put temporary measures taken to get through the immediate crisis onto a more sustainable footing. Longer term considerations should include how to accelerate digital and workforce transformation while meeting the changing expectations of investors, your advisors, and your employees. Further questions you may address could be a, how to align the cost structures and revisiting any operational efficiencies. And in a few moments, my partner, Bill Davis, will share his observations in this area. The new normal may make customer engagement harder, yet it's more important than ever to sustain relationships as this crisis may have unsettled many of your investors. We've also seen that regulators want to ensure that investors understand what they're buying and whether it matches their needs, which can be difficult to do when interactions is strictly digital. Firms will need to step up their capabilities to fulfill this priority. You know, I think this crisis has heightened the need for clarity on your firm's strategic plans about where and how you compete. This means that you may have to decide whether it's to, to be a scale or a niche player. You may also have to consider whether it's best to build, buy, or borrow the capabilities you need. You know, building capabilities can be difficult when you're trying to move quickly. Buying can be costly though market movements bring more targets to a more affordable range. And borrowing through partnerships and collaboration could help you strengthen your capabilities and meet your changing investor demands without imposing prohibitive extra costs. In some cases, for the sake of ensuring business continuity, it may be necessary to reduce investments, freeze hiring, or even avoid entering new markets. But other, in other instances, these short-term tactics may have repercussions on your longer-term strategy. 
So it's always important to use a broad lens and a balanced perspective. We know from experiences at Oyster that organizations with a clear outlook and a proactive strategy are more resilient and usually earn a competitive advantage over the long term. Buddy, I'll, I'll turn it back over to you. Thanks, Jim. I think, wow, you just uh, mentioned a few things that that really struck me and unsettled investors and, and how to meet their needs, uh, taking a longer term view uh, in terms of what you're doing and what you're trying to accomplish and having that balanced perspective. Those are all things that are really kind of important, particularly in this environment, along with the digital tools in order to serve your clients' needs and, and really keep your employee and team safe. Uh, during this time. And Bill Davis, uh, Bill, you've been at Wells Fargo Advisors and Folio FN. You've, you've kind of uh, been in the industry for a good while. Maybe you could talk a little bit about some of those challenges of meeting the investors' needs and aligning to their risk profiles and, and that longer-term view. And, and it's a time where short-term, it just can be really unsettling. Thanks, buddy. Um, yeah, one of the things that we're we're working on here is um, advisory and planning services to help firms um, execute on those uh, to become more effective and efficient at how you can put together a client's plans. Uh, many firms want to increase uh, planning, and and the FAs typically don't want to. Uh, take the time to do that, or there, there's difficulty with with getting buy-in there. So there, there's been some significant challenges there. Uh, one of the things we've heard and read is that uh, about 93% of advisors say that clients have contacted them about their retirement plans, um, and firms are are looking at you know the challenge of of beefing up planning uh, so they can help clients move in in the right direction. Pair planning is one thing that that's been critical in the industry. Um, and talking to our partners, we're seeing that that it's really taken off, and there has been a, a huge um, interest in firms across the country and trying to increase assets under management to be more efficient at how they build plans, and and that's something that that we're really looking closely at, you know, helping clients gather data, reorganize the data, review assumptions, input information, develop a target plan. Um, review those target plans, work closely with the FAs. And because we have a risk and compliance background, you know, it's something that we really are interested in and in looking at and, and working closely with, with everyone on and doing the research um, with others in the industry to ensure that we're on target with things like software selection. There are many companies out there who offer planning services and it's something that we can we can also help with is um, how you select your software and what's best for the culture and the best for the fit for your firm. And then one of the other things firms seem to struggle with is once you choose software, how do I transition? How do I move from one software to the other? If I'm currently with the software uh, planning service and I want to move to another one, how do I effectively do that? There's some there's some pieces of that that can be uploaded automatically, but there are other pieces that can't be uploaded. And that's extremely challenging for firms as, as they move to a new vendor and also the change of culture uh, for the firm as you move from one vendor to another. 
And then the last thing, one of the things we really look at and, and we're very interested in is around mentoring and helping firms understand the, the planning software better, how to use it, again, how to be more effective. How can you effectively use the software, help the FA as they're putting together the plans through pair planning to give them more time uh, to help increase assets under management, identify those assets that are held away, and create a culture that you can bring those assets in. COVID-19 has disrupted personal lives and businesses, creating a challenging environment in the retirement planning industry. Some of the changes are irreversible. Small business owners have borne the brunt of the disruption. Business valuations have fallen. Rules for retirement planning have changed. Health insurance prices are expected to go up. Life, disability, and long-term care insurance are having increases in product pricing. And when it comes to retirement planning tools, it can be very complex and cumbersome to deal with an influx of clients concerned about where they need to go from here. So, buddy, that's that's you know part of what we're really looking at today, and part of what I'm excited about, and and working at Oyster and working with with the great team here to help folks with the planning and advisory service piece. These planning tools, they're very powerful tools, but they have assumptions, as as Bill mentioned, they're all built on on some assumptions about how the market's going to perform. But with all the clients reaching out today, and you mentioned, you know, so many clients reaching out to talk about their retirement plans and their concerns about that. You know, as Jim talked about having the right tools, digital tools to engage with your clients. I just keep thinking about the unemployment levels right now and the risk in this market and all those 401ks that that are sitting there in in investments that uh, haven't had a plan around them and to to take these plans and and think about life goals and longer term goals uh, is is really important in today's world. But to do that properly, I think there is a regulatory risk that that comes along with some of this. You mentioned conversions and getting data in the wrong way. The last thing you want is bad data to lead you to a bad plan that that's an outcome uh, where your client isn't successful. Uh, but there's a lot of different risks that come along with serving your clients today in this environment. Ed, maybe you could talk a little bit about some of the regulatory views on planning and serving clients. And, and I know we've got this big Reg BI thing that is now you know, out there in, in the world and has been for six weeks. Um, but uh, can you share with us, maybe Ed's joined us from, from FINRA, uh, was his prior employer, uh, and they have perspectives from a regulatory perspective on these topics. Maybe you could share a little bit about what uh, our clients could be thinking about. Yeah, you know, when I when I listen to what Jim and Bill both talked about, you know, it, it's pretty dizzying, right? And you think about where we're at right now. It's an extremely difficult time to navigate on top of all the normal concerns that you deal with on a day-to-day basis. As Jim mentioned, you know, there's these significant challenges just in dealing with the impact that the pandemic is having, but at the same time, other things don't stop. You had mentioned Reg BI, you know, for retail firms, this is 
one of the biggest changes to the standard of care, to conflict mitigation, to disclosure requirements that firms have had in decades. At the same time this is happening, there's major changes to the reporting requirements with CAT. And then as everybody had mentioned that the increasing reliance on technology and tools and, and moving to digital it increases the vulnerabilities that firms face in terms of things like cyber attacks and intrusions. And all of this is happening all at the same time. It's really like a, a, an inflection point. And while I think that regulators are sensitive to the issues and the challenges that, that firms are facing these days, at the end of the day, they still expect firms to be vigilant in ensuring that these risks are managed and that investors are protected. So. Firms are really going to need to make sure that they're able to adapt their processes, their systems, their controls for this new environment. And some of this might be temporary. In other cases, it's not temporary. This is what everybody's saying is the new normal. And I, firms are just going to have to make sure that they're able to adapt to these changes and while at the same time making sure that they're keeping all their other operations going as, as usual. Um, the ability that firms are going to need to be able to effectively operate and monitor and test remotely now is going to be a must. And, you know, I, I think that's one of the reasons that I'm excited to be here with Oyster, because, A, I think that the just the, the breadth and the depth of experience that we have can help firms through this, but also the ability that we've created through the technology and tools that you had mentioned in your recent blog post. I think it'll really help position us to be able to support firms as they do things um, more remotely now. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, in this remote world and, and using tools like Bill's talking about, um, you know, brings that a little bit of cybersecurity risk. And we're a third party vendor uh, to, to, to firms in the financial services industry both through software and consulting, and we get kind of run through the ringer uh, quite a bit, which is great. We feel good about that because we know our clients are listening to us when they implement controls, even when we're the victim of them, as far as dealing with routine questionnaires and things like that. But one of the things about uh, this world is there there is an entire eco-structure built of, around supporting organizations uh, through the use of third-party tools. And, and I know that could be everything from your clearing provider to your custodian for your advisory business to your commission systems. And and Jim, I know you're doing a lot with organizations to evaluate sort of how to benefit from, from third-party providers. Can you talk a little bit about some of the work that you're doing in terms of, of vendor selection and uh, the approach to that. Yeah, buddy, I appreciate this question because we have leveraged third-party relationships over the years. Think about it for a moment. Businesses increasingly don't do it alone. You know, over the years, we've seen firms leveraging a, a network of third-party relationships, some being strategic and some not. But these general relationships can provide organizational value and clearly a competitive advantage. Yeah, I'd say to you, over the past five years, the use of third-party relationships has, has increased exponentially. But you also have to pause by doing this by saying organizations could also be exposing themselves 
to a high risk profile like never before. So you got to be careful with that one way or the other. It could cause you a financial or a reputational risk. Clearly, as Ed can attest and Jeffrey, there's a legal and regulatory risk involved in this as well. And obviously, there's an operational risk. Think about for a moment if your system was down and it caused a disruption in your operations. But my point to you is that there's just a, a wealth of information from many of these third-party relationships. And I think you'd do yourself a disservice if you didn't reach out to those third-party relationships and try to la leverage their talent and their expertise. It's out there. You should take advantage of it if you, if you can. Yeah, it is definitely out there. And I think to the way you take advantage of that can be important as well. And Jeffrey, I know you've spent a lot of time working with advisors and you know, you've lived this conflict management life that, that Reg BI's put on broker dealers over the last six weeks, but you've been obviously living that your entire career with conflicts needing to be disclosed. And one of the things that I often think about is custodians and clearing firms, they offer services for you. You know, there's there's ways to disclose that, that, that will keep you safe. But Jeffrey, maybe you could talk a little bit about some of the controls around disclosures and conflicts and, and some other things that our clients could could learn from from your experience, both at the SEC as well as being a CCO for some, some large organizations. Thank you, buddy. I think what I'd emphasize here is that everybody uses vendors and service providers. And the SEC, as well as a lot of states, require firms to conduct oversight uh, of their service providers to ensure they're carrying out their contracted services effectively and in the manner intended. Service providers can be custodians, pricing services, tech support, proxy voting services, and other services that you use to manage your accounts. Due diligence of these service providers should include a review of their policies and procedures, the effectiveness of their services, and other issues such as private for privacy protections that they may provide. In SEC speak, you would say that you want to ensure that the vendors have in place policies and procedures designed reasonably to prevent and detect violations of the federal securities laws and state laws. In addition to reviewing their policies and controls, you should also look at their disclosures as well as testing uh, where appropriate. And in this uh, age and the circumstances we're on, you have to be creative in terms of what you need and how you can test. Service providers and vendors, you should oversee them uh, and review them at least annually, more frequently uh, if red flags arise. These reviews can take different forms. It can be done on site as circumstances allow. Uh, some may present more risk than others and require more oversight. And finally, these reviews should be on your compliance calendar and can be done over the course of the year so that different vendors are reviewed at different times, but can be rolled up into your annual review. And so these are really critical. And I've experienced in the past where a vendor has, uh, has some red flags or, or had an exception. And so you really have to stay on top of this and make sure you know your vendors. Yeah, I think knowing your vendors is really, really important. And as a vendor, we love to know our clients. Uh, we do much better serving our clients the more we know about them 
the more we're able to help them define that reasonable or appropriate standard, right? The regulators throw out reasonable, and it's really hard to know what that Goldilocks standard looks like of, is it too big, is it too small, is it too hard, is it too soft? And we're really, in order to know that, we have to understand their clients, which is, you know, why you guys are here, and and we're excited that you are, uh, to, to be able to wrap ourselves around their clients, understand their strategies, uh, understand how they serve their clients, uh, in, in thoughtful ways and how to keep them in compliance with rules and regulations as well as being efficient. And so, you know, I'm really pleased that, that you guys are here. Uh, I thank you for sharing your wisdom with our, our client base and our, our friends in the industry who are listening today. I'm going to open it up to see if anybody has some some final thoughts for our clients every business is unique and so there's no we can't say you've got to do a b c and d you have to understand and have the rules and oversight fit your business rather than you fitting into some model and i think that's really critical just having the ability to effectively operate monitor and test remotely is going to be a must and that's where I think Oyster's breadth and depth of experience can be very beneficial. What's at the heart of every business? It's customers. Before making any changes, consider how they'll affect the customer experience. If customer experience is one of your key competitive advantages, be especially careful about changes. If you destroy one of your competitive advantages, you might end up dealing a death blow to your business. If you do make changes that will directly affect the customer, communicate those clearly. Explain to the customer why you have to make the changes and the outcomes you expect. The more transparent you are with your customers, the more understanding they'll be. During times of global crisis, it's especially important to keep the focus on the customers. People will always remember the actions you took and how it made them feel. Yeah, I. I can tell you as an entrepreneur and a CEO of an organization that it is a very challenging environment, uh, both from the emotions of our clients, the emotions of our teams, our own emotions. Uh, Is the market in a bubble? Uh, Is the economy going to collapse? What is going on with the virus? When will we go back to work? How will we keep our employees safe when we go back to work? All these things are coming at us fast and furious and every day. And we're in an election cycle, which is not unusual for us, but it's unusual for us to be in an election cycle in a pandemic, in a global recession with unemployment off the charts, uh, but getting better. And so, There's so many different ways the market can go, so many ways the economy can go, and having a plan for all of them, uh, the likely scenarios, is really important. Knowing what bets to place now and what bets to pull off the table is really important. And it's a really unique time, so uh, I think that uh, it's a good time to reach out and, and collaborate with folks in the industry 
experts like the ones we have on on this podcast today and people that you you compete with uh, your worthy competitors you know i work with lots of ceos uh and and have lots of conversations about all the things that we're dealing with today in this in this environment i'm fortunate to have a team of industry experts that surround me uh, every day that help me make the best choices that I can make. And I'm happy that they're available to help you make the same choices. So with that, uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your time. And I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks again for listening to the Oyster Stew podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so we can continue to bring you resources to help you make the best decisions for your firm. If you're struggling with a topic and you'd like us to do a podcast on it, or you'd like a free consultation, feel free to reach out to us at 804-965-5400 or by visiting our website at oysterllc.com.